Hi everyone, welcome back to The Room 583, Cuento with me. So I feel like because it's Women's Month, I feel like I haven't uploaded anything yet related to women. But because of recent events, I would say, I wouldn't want to say it inspired me, but it kind of led me to talk about mainstream feminism. Because, okay, first let's talk about what feminism is. Feminism, by definition, on the dictionary, it is that it is the advocacy of women's rights on the basis of equality of the sexes. But the problem there is that the advocacy is focused on women with privilege. It is focused on mostly white women, or if you're not a white woman, it is that you're a woman of color but with privilege. Meaning that the women, the poor women, the indigenous women, the queer women, the queer women of color, the trans women, the trans women of color, they become irrelevant. And this is where the idea, the metaphor of the glass ceiling feminism is brought in, wherein, you know, for you to break the glass ceiling, you have to be on top. And who is on top in this feminism uh, movement? It is the white women or the women of color but have privilege. So they are the ones that breaks the glass ceiling and and the people at the bottom, the women at the bottom are, again, the people of color, the women of color, the poor women, the indigenous women, the queer women, the queer women of color, the trans women and the trans women of color. So that said, everyone that I've talked about, the, 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 the characteristics, the category that I've just mentioned, that is what we call the intersectionality, which is a concept, an analytical framework introduced by Professor Kimberly Crenshaw in 1989, where intersectionality in layman's terms is a recognition that everyone, specifically women, have their different aspects that become the basis of their oppression and discrimination. So think of a think of a rotonda. Think of a rotonda then that's in the middle, right? And there are multiple roads that leads to the rotonda where basically everything will intersect. So the think of the rotonda as a woman. And the roads that lead up to her are her characteristics, like that she's an Asian woman or a black woman or or she's she's a lesbian or a bisexual or that, you know, her her she's she's in the middle class or that she's in the third class she's she's poor basically and all those aspects lead to her identity as a woman in society and that becomes a problem because the more you have like this um aspects the more you are oppressed the more that you are discriminated and if anything the purpose of this episode is to emphasize that these women the women that I just mentioned that have all this intersectionality, they are the pinnacle of feminism today, okay? I am emphasizing that the the intersectionality is the pinnacle. It is the collective movement of feminism today. Not the first wave movement, not the second wave, not the third wave. Because if you look back the histories, the first, for example, the first wave movement, of feminism that focuses merely on voting rights of white women 
Okay, today, today, we're not only talking about white women, we're talking about people of color, women specifically of color, with a different financial or economical background or their sexual identity. All that I've mentioned earlier, the black poor women, the poor black women, the trans women, the trans women of color, you get the idea, right? But the thing is, as I mentioned, because intersectionality is the very nature or the pinnacle of feminism, supposedly today, the problem is, it is the white women, the white women who are doing it. It is the people, or if, if again, if it's not the white women, it's the people of color with privilege. And that's not, that's not a problem. That is not a problem, man, for women to be fighting for this, for the equal rights and all that. It, the problem is, now overshadow yung mas kailangan nun. And, you know, mainstream feminism, also, you know, what Angela, the great Angela Davis has mentioned, has has defined it, was that it was also bourgeoisie feminism because, as the name suggests, it was only for the people who were bourgeoisie, the people, the women, with, you know, with privilege. And that is a big mistake. It is a big problem because it becomes a categorical classification of women that i've mentioned is that it overshadows the people at the bottom becomes irrelevant and kanina right i mentioned glass ceiling so the women on top they take they're they're the focus of feminism what happens to the women below what happens to them so if you think about it and what i've been trying to point out and what i'm hoping that you guys understand is that the intersectionality becomes a very nature of feminism today. The mainstream feminism, you have, we have to be very, very careful about what we fight for. So let's give an example of what mainstream feminism is. And this is something that I've been talking about a lot. I've also mentioned this in like one of my essays in college is the hashtag Me Too movement. So the hashtag MeToo movement was a sexual sexual assault movement created by or started by Tarana Burke, who was a sexual assault victim survivor. And so she started in 2006, huh? She started in 2006 on MySpace. But when did it become popular? It only became popular because of what happened, you know, in light of Harvey Weinstein in 2017. And who were the people that came forward with the hashtag MeToo movement? Who were the who were the stars of the hashtag MeToo movement? Who were, where was the focus on? Where was the limelight on? It was on white women. It was on white celebrities like Ashley Judd or a lot of white women in corporate works, you know, when they won't take shit anymore from disgusting men. But where is it now? Where's the hashtag MeToo movement now? There were so many assault victims there are so many women specifically women of color women asian women trans women queer women who are not you know given equal rights they're constantly discriminated they're constantly oppressed and you know in light of like for example the asian hate what's been going on in new york that's crazy that is an example of an intersectionalized woman who is being oppressed and discriminated. But 
even though the hashtag me too movement is focused on you know sexual victims my point is where is it now where are the victims why is nobody talking about it now because like you know anything mainstream it comes and goes right but every day we know that there are women whether white colored queer straight women get assaulted but why is nobody talking about it anymore because no white woman is talking about it anymore a privileged white woman is not talking about it anymore because you know a white woman or a privileged woman you know they're 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 secured to a certain extent more so that they don't seem that they need to come forward anymore but there are people below them like i've mentioned earlier the like the examples i've mentioned earlier who are experiencing sexual assault but nobody's talking about them because there is no white person talking about it anymore and that's the problem with mainstream feminism people are only talking about advocacy and rights because oh it's what's popular now it's what's being shed on light right now no the very pinnacle of of feminism today i've always mentioned that the vital agents of the existence of feminism today is the intersectionality that said that this collective movement of feminism today regarding intersectionality is more so a it, it's more of an acknowledgement of intersectionality of social justice that is to say that for example a, a poor trans colored woman has been very discriminated has been abused can't 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 lift for example can't apply to a job because she is trans so where is the justice there where is the social equality there basically that's the idea also also another example of of glass ceiling feminism is hillary clinton especially during her um run for presidency back in 2016 where you know she's already a white woman an educated woman a wealthy woman so she's an educated wealthy white woman running for the highest position in the United States of America and a lot of her a lot of her campaigning is to say oh let a woman do it it's time for women this and that you know get the you guys get the idea right so yes it's great that there are more women representing higher positions of power but the problem there is that because she is already a wealthy white educated woman all she has to do is to break that glass ceiling by being the president of the United States of America actually quick segue um you know as much as i hate to say this taylor swift i love her but she is an example of a mainstream feminist in other words she's a white feminist because she knows she knows she listens to her she listens to her fans and she knows that she has a gay fandom in that sense and and people of color also follow taylor swift she's amazing who doesn't think she's amazing right her music is amazing 
But when it comes to female rights or time to make advocacies, where is she? Where the hell is she? She talks about, you know, fuck the patriarchy, but fuck the patriarchy in a white woman's perspective. But yeah, that's all I just want to say. That's the one thing that I just dislike about Taylor Swift. I love her, but I wish she knows that with her power, with her influence, yo, she can reach a lot of people to understand what real feminism is about. But, you know, going back to Hillary Clinton, um, we also had, you know, in the Philippines, we had our version of Hillary Clinton, and that is Gloria Macapagal Arroyo. She was, you know, she was a woman in the position of power. Actually, you know what? I, I remember, you know, one one time I had office hours with my uh, media professor, and then, you know, because me, I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm bolera, but... I like reciting in class. I like stimulating my brain in class. So I would say all these like, you know, answers, which apparently is a great answer to my professor. And this is not me making like making, you know, flexing or anything, but it just, he told me, he, he in, in during class hours, my professor, he told me, you know what, Anna, we need more people like with your brain. We need more people like you in the possession of power. We need more women. It, actually, he said, women should be in possessions of power. And I kind of rebuttaled. I kind of disagreed because it doesn't really matter if you're a woman or a man in the sense that even if you are a woman in power, if you do not build new structures to fix exactly what we're fighting for, then that does not make you any better. Because, you know, GMA and Hillary Clinton were women who broke the glass ceiling, making it to the peak of the patriarchal heap. But, you know, it, the idea there is that these women would break the ceiling, but will not build ladders for the women at the bottom to climb up. It's like they broke the glass ceiling and then they just bounced. They did not even offer ladders for the people who have no power for the people at the bottom to climb up and get out of there. No, what this women did was that they broke the glass ceiling and they left, you know? So so what am I saying about this women in power? My, 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 what I want to say is that your power means nothing if it does not serve the interest of those who need it the most. And in relation to mainstream feminism, if people continue to do mainstream feminism, then it challenges the purpose of the movement. What the hell are we fighting for? What the hell are you fighting for if it does not serve the interests of those people who need it the most? So to conclude, I just want to say, I want to remind all of us that when you, the next time you fight for equal rights, next time you think you're doing feminism, make sure that it serves not only you, but a lot of the people who need it the most. The, be the voice of the voiceless. You know, as cheesy as that sounds, but be that person. Make sure that you actually empathize and sympathize to what they need the most. Not only thinking about yourself. I also want to remind all of us that when you fight for feminism, you're not only fighting for one thing. You're fighting for many, many things. 
Remember that when you fight for one thing, you're also fighting for the other. Lastly, I want to say that the feminist movement is not only a movement, but a revolution. And what is a revolution? A revolution upsets normalcy. Revolution pisses off the normal everyday life. Revolution upsets what is supposed to be. And in this feminist revolution, we must continue to challenge the normal complacency of our heteronormative patriarchal society and that is all for this episode i hope you guys learned were inspired or enjoyed and i'll catch you guys next episode Bye, love.